Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment, your journey into personal growth. The splendor of any decision is after you've made it, all that remains to be seen are its consequences. My name is Ken Primus. I am your host. Here at Threads of Enlightenment, we talk about the principles of self-development and personal growth. By having conversation with people, who have walked through their journey of personal growth. We believe that everyone at some point in their life will have to deal with one or more of these principles to have the privilege of focusing on their self-development as humans. These principles, when applied, can help you to become the best self possible. Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment, your journey into personal growth. The splendor of any decision is after you've made it, all that remains to be seen are its consequences. My name is Ken Primus, I am your host. Here at Threads of Enlightenment, we talk about the principles of self-development and personal growth. By having conversation with people, who have walked through their journey of personal growth. We believe that everyone at some point in their life will have to deal with one or more of these principles to have the privilege of focusing on their self-development as humans. These principles, when applied, can help you to become the best self possible. Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment. Today we have Tim. Uh, Tim is going to help you and I. He has the answer to solving marriage problems. And I have been married twice and I need to talk to Tim so I could uh, save my life the next time because I do believe I would want to meet someone to get married and to enjoy that. But I want to learn from him while I'm single, how I can prepare myself whenever she shows up. So what I'm going to do is introduce Tim, let him talk to you guys. I want him to tell what he does and how he reaches people. And then we're going to go back to the beginning so that Tim can tell us about his story. We're going to ask him some questions and get some answers so that we can learn from him. And then at the end of the show, we're going to go back again to his his story as to where we can reach him, touch base with him and be a part of his following so that he can give us wisdom. So Tim, tell us a little about yourself, where you're at today, and then go back and let's find out how did you get here, sir? Well, and again, can I can I can't thank you enough for giving me the opportunity to speak on your on your podcast here i love the the title threads of enlightenment just so you know to get this conversation started enlightenment comes at a price anybody watching this no enlightenment comes at a price you have to give up your limitation and that is yes, what sir. makes enlightenment so beautiful Yes, as, sir. as I it like to say, journey. God don't make no mistakes. <laughs> you know, we are <laughs> sons and daughters of God. And so the point is, is I have solved the marriage problem. OK. Excellent. And what I Tell mean by that, first of all, is what I do that's different is I address mm-hmm. marriages mentally and okay. psychologically. And believe it or not, there's never been a book yet that I have read that has been written that approaches marriages 
psychologically or mentally. It's all behavioral advice, like the five love languages. And so mm -hmm. you, you cannot solve the marriage problem by giving behavioral advice. It's unbelievable that the, industry, the psychology industry is still doing that, but and I understand why, but what is unique about what you hear from me is you will learn about marriages both mentally and psychologically, and that is a first for both of those. So can uh, I go excellent. through my background? You want me to go ahead and go, go through my background? Excellent. Yeah, tell people how how did you get from your profession? I know you were a professional person. Most of us are. And then what happens? Something happens that unhooks us from that type of uh, thinking and propel us towards our desires, as they say. Go ahead, Tim. Tell us about your well, background. Well, first of all, my dad was a cab driver, mm -hmm. so I was raised poor, okay, When I was 12 yeah. years old, I already told you this, Ken, you'll like this. When I was 12 years old, I told my mom I wanted to be a Catholic priest. And, 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 then, and then I discovered <laughs> girls. That old career path kind of got derailed. But professionally, I am not a psychologist. And that turns mm -hmm. out to be important. I actually have an engineering degree, an MBA, and I was the first semiconductor analyst on Wall Street to focus on the communications market. So I've had a very successful pro pro professional career. But... In 2000, at the height of the market, it was actually a girl that I had known for eight years. She always had a boyfriend. I always had a girlfriend. but And we had the same group of friends. But we got together in 2000 and fell in love. Beautiful. Love this girl. She was the girl I was going to spend the rest of my life with. You know, if you've ever fallen in love... You realize yes, how sir. quickly it happens when you meet that right person. You know, if you look back, Ken, on both uh -huh. of your divorces, both women, if they were, you know, real love, you both came together very quickly. That's how very it works quickly. when you've met the right person. Mm -hmm. It clicks. But then we started fighting. Mm -hmm. And that confusion. Now, now the thing that's important to understand about my background is I am an engineer. I am, I'm not trained to be judgmental or find fault. I am trained to solve problems. That is what an yeah. engineer is trained to do. And then an analyst is trained, a Wall Street analyst is trained to analyze. And so when we were fighting, my whole mission was to figure out why I was going to solve the problem, what's going to get us on the same page and get us on the right track. And when we started fighting, it wasn't happening. And more importantly, when we went to the therapist and the therapist wasn't helping. That's why you'll hear me talk about the psychology industry. My motivation for doing this was the realization that there is not a lot of help. Men and women are not from different planets. The five love, I mean, uh, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. That book has done more damage to our culture of marriage than anything in the public domain because it's used as an excuse when couples don't get along. So I realized that there was not a lot of real help. You do not solve the marriage problem with the five love languages with behavioral advice. But more importantly, Ken, mm -hmm. just like you're talking about the pain of your marriage ending, the pain of this relationship ending for me was it was suffocating. It was it was it was yeah. absolutely unbelievable. Not only our relationship ending, but the realization that there's not a place that people can really turn to to get help that really truly to get brings couples together and keep them keeps them together for life. And mm -hmm. so me, mm -hmm. you know, and if you don't know what a Wall Street analyst does, to be short, a Wall Street analyst 
studies industry. I could spend the next two hours telling you how your phone works. I, I won't, but I could. But I did the same thing in studying the psychology industry, very analytical. In, in, looking, in fact, my message is much broader. It's much broader than psychological. The solution to the problem, Ken, quite honestly, is, is equality. I mean, that is the title of my book. That is what we're trying to figure out. The old patriarchy model, and I know before you hit record, you and I start talking about you know, the church, the old patriarchy model of the church where the man is in charge and the woman will obey the man. You know, that is what has been broken down. It used to be defined. The man's in charge. The man made the decisions. The man made the money. The man was logical. The woman was subordinate. The woman was emotional. She raised the kids. She was responsible for the environment in the home. Those were the two defined roles of the man and the woman in the marriage. In 1970, less than 1% of all law and medical degrees went to women. By 1990, that number's over half. So women now are just as educated. We all know this, but women are just mm -hmm. as educated. And so women now have the ability, if they're being controlled, to leave the marriage. So, you know, divorce yeah. is no longer a social stigma. There's no social stigma any longer to divorce like there was before the 60s. So what mm -hmm. you get from me is a very analytical approach on teaching couples how to stay together for life. Well, that's the key. I mean, one of the things that we, we've been talking about the Bible is some of the things we have conversation we were talking about. One of the things that the Bible talks about is a covenant. And I think sometimes when people look at uh, marriage, and uh, I think it's our Western mentality towards it, uh, but coming from that side, uh, it's a covenant. It's, it's a lot deeper. It's a lot more, I would say, it carries a little more force. And when you put a woman and a man in that frame of mind that you have talked about how society put them, <laughs> you're destined for some trouble. <laughs> You know, uh, you have to be able to have that partner, that covenant with that partner that is there for you. And so I think from listening to you, it sounds like sounds like a partnership that is much more than what we do today. Yeah, but let me let me describe the difference, though. You bring up a huge point. OK, mm -hmm. in the business world, have you ever heard of the concept quid pro quo? Yes, sir. Okay. So for those of you listening that don't know about quid pro quo, quid pro quo literally stands, it's Latin, and it means this for that. It is literally the foundation of the business contract world, the legal system. What it means is one person cannot do something for another person unless they get something in return. Okay, that's the business world. That's the way the business world is created. In fact, I know, for example, like I know Steve Jobs when he was alive, and, and like Mark Zuckerberg, they get paid a dollar a year. And the reason why they got paid a dollar a year is because they could not take zero because there's no contract mm -hmm. now between them and the company. They've got There's got to be an exchange. That is a contractual partnership. That is what I refer to as conditional love. I will do something for mm -hmm. her if she does something for me in return. That is not a covenant. A covenant mm -hmm. is unconditional yeah. love. And all yes, unconditional love means is you do something for your partner without expecting anything in return. That is what couples mm -hmm. need to learn. Yes, I absolutely agree. And I think it's because society has taught us the quid pro quo relationship. And so this is when, you know, and there's no, as you said, it's contractual. I mean, just look at it, you know. And so uh, I think there's a, it's a covenant, though. No, it's not contractual. Contractual is the way most couples are today. 
when they won't do anything Today. unless they get something returned. But what the Bible is talking about is a covenant means you don't expect anything in return. You don't expect anything. And so today, that's what I'm saying. Today is that where they expect certain things. And if they don't get it, then they don't become happy. They start looking elsewhere. I, I'm not in love with you anymore. And all kinds of really strange language. When if you understand what love is, you would never, ever make that statement. And, but it's really fascinating to watch how people behave and stuff like that. But I want you to keep telling us because there's your wisdom in this is so rich that we want to be able to to reach out to the people out there, the ones that are on the edge. I know you had mentioned some of the uh, things that you're you're getting in your message and, and about the pain that is out there, the expectation that is destroyed for both men and women because of the current situation they're in. How can you begin to point some of them in a direction that can begin to help and get them out, at least start on the path to the recovery, but it is in a way. What's your your input in that? If we were to canvas marriages that were not working, I will not say 100% of them, but I will say pretty close to 100% of relationships that are not working are not working because of control. One mm-hmm. or both are trying to control the marriage, okay? A partnership, and the way I, I kind of describe this, can say you and I become business partners, okay? I am the accountant, mm-hmm. and you want to buy a $5,000 computer, and we can't afford it, okay? Mm-hmm. How do you, and now we have a conflict. You want an expensive computer, yeah. I'm responsible for the budget, we can't afford it. How do you and I solve that problem? We solve it logically. You explain mm-hmm. your side. I explain my side. I understand your side. You understand my side. We come together logically and we find a solution to that problem that makes sense for both of us. Right? Mm-hmm. Why do you want a $5,000 computer? Tim, how much money mm-hmm. do we have? We go back and forth to solve that problem. That is called a mm-hmm. disagreement. Mm-hmm. Disagreements are logical. Disagreements are forward-looking and disagreements are problem-solving. Mm-hmm. But obviously, you and I don't have an emotional connection like lovers, like a man and woman do in a, in a marriage. But the issue in that situation is because of all of this energy between two loving people, they can easily elevate to an argument. Mm-hmm. An argument mm-hmm. is emotional. Argument is fault-finding, and argument is Mm backward-looking. To argue with a person who has abandoned the use of reason is like administering medicine to the dead. Mm -hmm. Once we cross that imaginary line from disagreement, logical, forward-looking, problem-solving, to argument, emotional, backward-looking, fault-finding, we're at a point of no return. So, Ken, Mm -hmm. you are a jerk. So now I've just introduced an emotional component to our dialogue. You know, you and I are going back and forth on this computer, and I'm not getting my way. So I take it to the next level, which is started, you know, accusing you, emotional, Ken, you're a jerk. I have now crossed the line and we're at a point of no return. There is no solution to an argument. But what couples need to understand, let me go through this fairly quickly with you, with you, Kim. What people need to understand is what 
causes an argument. This is one of my real breakthrough realities. An argument, there's a, what I call the hierarchy of the argument. There's a process that the mind mm -hmm. goes through that leads to an argument. It begins with an insecurity. So mm -hmm. say mom and dad got divorced when you were a child. Mm -hmm. What happens is that now creates a fear in your marriage that your marriage will end because of what you saw with your parents' marriage. That's called an insecurity. That insecurity then leads to a prejudice. Mm -hmm. I call these relationship prejudice. It turns out our mental problems are prejudice. Again, mom and dad got divorced. Now I have a preconceived opinion, which is what a prejudice is, about marriage based on my parents' marriage. They didn't get divorced, but if they had, that prejudice then leads to becoming judgmental, which then leads to anger. And what I'm doing here, and again, I'm very quickly summarizing, is I'm connecting the dots, the dots. Yep. between mm -hmm. fear and anger. If people were to learn that when their partner is getting angry at them, there's a fear underlying that anger. So let me give you an example. You come home late from work and your partner gets mad at you. Think, think about this for a second. You got home late from work. Now the caveat here is you were not out drinking with your buddies. You got that phone call at 5 p.m. We're on it for an hour. Didn't think about calling your wife on the way home. You get home and you're in trouble. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously the natural response is fight or flight. Right. You're either going to respond mm -hmm. back in kind or you're going to just flee and, and ignore the topic. But yeah. what you learn is that she is not mad at you for you coming home late from work. It has nothing to do with it. She's mad because she's afraid because her parent, you know, she's afraid of abandonment. She's a, she has low self-esteem. Uh, you know, maybe your parents got divorced. There's a fear underlying the argument underlying the mm -hmm. anger and so when you come home like work she gets mad at you when you've got that environment that is psychologically aware of the dynamics in the marriage now you're able to turn the conversation back to her sweetheart i love you i want to spend the rest of my life with you obviously i'm not trying to upset you nobody thinks ahead of time particularly at the beginning of their relationship about purposely upsetting their partner it's not till later when they just start ignoring their partner but when it's still going in the right direction nobody tries to upset their partner but their partner gets upset so you realize that they're not yeah. upset at you you. They mm -hmm. have a fear that's motivating their anger. And so now you can turn the conversation back to what the source of the problem is. And then like you and I were discussing before we start recording, then you get into the forgiveness part. Then you yes. forgive yes. whatever the source, the, the relationship or the experience from your past which is where the, the fear came from. When you eliminate the fear, you can now look at your partner objectively as opposed to subjectively. And that's what people, that is such an important part. What that does is it introduced a psychological component to your understanding of a successful marriage. And that's not there yet. Nobody has done that yet. That's what I'm doing. One of, one of the things I'm doing. That is absolutely brilliant. And I, I, as you begin to talk, you could follow the dots as you're saying, as you understand, because I remember some of those arguments as you were talking about some of the things there. And the piece that I wanted you to go and, and get a little deeper into, because you and I had just talked about it, is that part of forgiveness. Because that term, analogy, is used so much, especially in a relationship with a husband and wife or whatever. Oh, I forgive you. But then a couple minutes, two weeks later, an argue, a situation happens and it triggers come and come right back up to that uh, situation that I I, apparently I was forgiven, though so I want you to 
to talk about what is forgiveness and uh, why are we missing it? Well, first of all, the only reason why I can comfortably and confidently tell anybody that I have solved the marriage problem is because I forgave my parents when I was 25 years old. It turns out the, the most significant influence in a marriage is a relationship with the parents. So that is my background. In fact, I didn't realize at the time that that is not a message yet conveyed to the public. And that's one of the biggest messages I want to convey. It turns out we're supposed to be born twice. The first is mm -hmm. obvious, biologically. But the second is when we're supposed to be born into adulthood. The Bart Mitzvah and the yes. Bat Mitzvah in the Jewish tradition, the First Communion in the Christian tradition, the Quinceanero in the Latino tradition, these are all ceremonies that are supposed to be celebrating our birth into adulthood, but they take place too early. We don't become mm -hmm. adults now until we at least are getting into our 20s. We've got some grounding about who we are. We start our career. We get some understanding about who we are. That's when we start into adulthood. But the point is, is we have got to let go of our childhood anxieties in order for us to be an adult. So let me talk about forgiveness. In fact, you and I, again, we're talking about this as well. Uh, there's a, a colleague of mine who's actually translating the oldest Bible in existence that was written in Aramaic. Jesus spoke Aramaic. He didn't mm -hmm. speak English. And, and one of the things this guy discovered is when they translated forgiveness from Aramaic to Greek, they translated it to mean to pardon. Mm -hmm. So when you do something wrong to me and I'm angry at you, me forgiving you means that I pardon you. But as you just pointed out, that does not clear up the anxiety because now a couple weeks later, something triggers me and I'm anxious about you again. What Jesus literally said was that forgiveness means to cancel. Mm -hmm. So it's not until I cancel the anxieties that were created when I perceive you doing something wrong to me, am I really forgiving you? So let me give you the example of my story. Because this is when you, we can talk about forgiveness for hours, Ken, because that is so important to understand. But in conclusion, how I forgave my parent mm -hmm. was when I finally understood it from their perspective. Yeah. Okay. I went to my 20 year high school reunion. My parent, my, my dad no longer around, unfortunately. My mom still is. And if you were to ask my mom today about raising her four kids, she will tell you she was very strict on them. And mm -hmm. I was at my 20 year high school reunion and I was talking to one of my classmates and I made some comment about my parents and he looked at me and goes, Oh, that's right. You had the strict parent. And you know, Ken, that was the first time that I realized that when I was in high school, I never thought about anybody else but me. Mm. That's the way we are as kids. You know, when you're a child, you only think about things from your perspective. And the more and more I reflect on this, the more and more I realize the significance. One of the one of the things that I do, Ken, is I go through and explain the maturing process to people. Mm -hmm. What are the things that you need to go through mentally and psychologically in order for you to mature as an adult? And one of the mm -hmm. things that I realize is one of the most important steps in the maturing process that that is not there as a child is to be able to look at things from the other person's perspective. Mm -hmm. That is one of the things that is seriously missing in marriages today. It's all about me, 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 me. You know, if you think about an argument, an argument goes this way. Ken, I'm all right and you're all wrong. And Ken looks at Tim and says, no, Tim, I'm all right and you're all wrong. That is an argument. Mm -hmm. When I can mm -hmm. only see it from my perspective, 
perspective and I cannot see it from your perspective. And so it's not until people go through this maturing process or they're able to open their eyes up to being able to see it from the other person's perspective. So let me give you let me give you my story to summarize this this conversation. Yeah. Do you ever get mad at slow drivers? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. I I used to. Mm-hmm. I have solved that problem. Mm-hmm. And how I have solved that problem, the epiphany that I had was when I realized that the other driver is driving someplace too. Yeah. When I was able mm-hmm. to look at the slow driver from the slow driver's perspective, it eliminated all the anxiety that I had. I'm, I, when I get behind a slow driver, I just think, well, they're going so. And I no longer get anxious about slow drivers. But the point is, is think about that as it pertains to a marriage. If you're able to understand your spouse's perspective and if your spouse is able to understand your perspective, think about what that does to the anxiety of the marriage. It significantly or eliminates, significantly diminishes or completely eliminates the anxiety that exists between two people. That's uh, so true. But, I remember you make, made a comment about uh, forgiving your parents and uh, realizing, looking into their way. And you did it in your 20s. I, had, I did it in my 30s. I became an adult at 35 years exactly and that's we all need to go through that that's the point nobody is teaching us Mm -hmm. that if you want to be successful in your marriage become your own person a balanced ego is not when you're better than anybody else. A balanced ego is when you are better than you used to be. That is a billion-dollar mm-hmm. comment that we are all in search of in this age of individuality where we are all trying to figure out how to live with ourselves, and we yeah. haven't figured yeah. that out yet. Well, what, you, what you figure out is when you are the only one that defines you. Ken, I'm really not trying to upset you, and I am trying to be a moral person in this conversation. But if you were to get angry at me, I you do not define me. Nobody defines mm-hmm. me but me. I'm tr- in order to do that, you have to live a moral life, though. Because, again, I'm not yes. trying to upset you. I'm not trying to. I don't upset. I try not to upset anybody, but I, I still do, right? Mm-hmm. People get mad at us. We are in a judgmental culture. People get mad at us all yes. the time. But I live a moral life, but nobody else defines me but me. So if somebody gets mm-hmm. mad at me, I'm not going to, you know, make it worse, but I do not take other people's data points as defining who I am. And that's what we're trying to figure out. This conversation to me is enlightening in so many different ways, because I remember having to learn how to look from a different perspective, looking from my parents because of some of the things that happened. I remember having a conversation, I'm the eldest, and I remember having a conversation with my siblings because they were making judgment on my mom because of how she acted. But then when we placed ourselves in her uh, shoes as she was a young girl, what her lifestyle was. Then we began to understand what drove her and that the reason why she was doing what she was doing, not because she hated us, it was actually because she really loved us. With the limited understanding that she had based from this hurt that she had, she was trying to rescue us in her own way. And so once we, my sisters, my sister and my brother, we had that conversation, it freed my sister from some of the things that she was going through and even within myself because we got collectively started to talk because I was the eldest I had a little more information and when I brought that information to light that pain that you talk about it was absolutely it went away my I believe my sister is much freer uh, now than she was and she called afterwards and said I didn't know and once she understood
understood that. She said, I finally understood why uh, my mom acted in a certain way. And it freed her, man. Let me, let me give you a great example, a, a more broader generic example, okay? In 1970, less than 1% of all law and medical degrees went to women. By 1990, that number was over half. Women are just as educated as men are. The biggest hole in our society today is emotional men. It is still viewed as a weakness for a man to have feeling. Okay. Yes. I had a girl tell me once that her father never told her that he loved her. Mm -hmm. Okay. My dad is the oldest or was the oldest boy of 15 kids. And I have double digit families going back to the early 1800s. And mm -hmm. so the point is, is obviously the woman gave birth to all of the children. So the woman creates a bond with the children, but the man didn't. Mm -hmm. If one of the kids died, the, the, the mother would be devastated. But the father, he's, he's looking at these people as, as farmhands to help out on the farm. Yeah. So yeah. if one of his mm -hmm. kids died, he just, you know, let's go make another one, right? Men another, yeah. were never taught to be emotional with their children. Mm -hmm. In today's world, though, okay, we get emotional with our kids. Mm -hmm. I'm not gay, not that there's anything wrong with it, as Jerry Seinfeld so famously said, because I realized, this is Tim, I realized that for me to be a more complete man and a better person in a relationship, I need to also embrace my emotional side. I cry all the time. It's easy for me to cry. I'm working more and more on being an emotional guy. How is a guy supposed to relate to his emotional wife unless he's emotional as well? That's one of the reasons why communication yes. breaks down between a man and woman because a logical conversation is completely different than an emotional one. Yeah, I, I remember in my second marriage, my wife would be crying. I'd come in and she'd be crying. And I'm looking at her crying and, and now as my mind, logical mind, start uh, looking at a situation, why are you crying? Uh, that, logically, Fiction. you know, and I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. And so I'm like, there must be a reason why. What's the cause? <laughs> you know, and so I'm, I'm, I'm going to this logical argument now to try and find out what it is, what happened, how can we end, stop it so it doesn't happen again? And she would look at me and say stuff like, just hug me. And I'm like, I couldn't, I couldn't get that. I'm like, just hug you, but you're still crying. So why were you still crying? So I'm hugging and asking, so why, you, you know, so I get it because they tell us that, <laughs> that uh, we are not supposed to be that way. You know, I get it. One of the biggest pieces of advice that I give guys is that when your woman comes, your, your wife comes home, bad day at the office, one of her girlfriends that have upset her, she's emotional, just like you just described. She's not looking for a logical answer. She's looking mm -hmm. for emotional support. The reason why girls have girlfriends is because they don't get that emotional support from their husbands. So they have to get it from their girlfriends. And so what I teach men is exactly what your wife asked you. Put your arm around her. Stay in yeah. that emotional state. She's not looking. Mm -hmm. This is women. This is how women are. They are comfortable being emotional. This is more of their state than it is our state. And we, in order to be able to relate to them, need to be more emotional so that when they're getting emotional, we're not getting logical. We're coming at their level so that we can uh, 
relate to what they're going through. In order for us to do that, we have to be emotional too. You know, there's nothing wrong with a guy crying. You know, that's probably what you've learned from that experience, <laughs> though, Ken, is to be an emotional guy. Oh yeah, I, I had to learn that how to be in that moment, as you said, how not to say a word, and it's contrary to your thinking because again, you you almost have put duct tape on your mouth and just hug and just just don't say a word. And so I, I had to learn that. And it took some time. I mean, it took a while. I don't, I'm not going to be, be lying for me to say I instantly got that. I, it took years to figure that out. And so there was a point then when I began to, to do that. I think one of the greatest things she ever said to me was that uh, I, I am one guy that is in touch with his female side. So I, th I thought that I was growing, maturing in, in other words. And again, so, that's not a weakness. That is the point. It's not a weakness for a man to be emotional. We've got to get past that in order for our relationships to be more successful. Man, I'll tell you something, Tim. There's so much to to do. I'm going to have to bring you back. So we're going to have to have like Please. a part two, part three, part four, that kind of thing, because there's a lot of pain out there with couples and marriages that are not, you know, where it needs to be. And I want to be uh, that my platform would be a, an avenue that you can come and talk to the people that listen to Threads so that they can have that part of their relationship uh, even stronger. And I want people to get in touch with myself, get in touch with with Tim, and I'm going to put up all of his information and tell, let us know that, uh, hey, I heard a conversation with you guys. And guess what? It, it, it did something to me. I began to look at my wife differently, my husband differently. We want to hear these kind of things. I'm sure Tim does because, uh, but I'm sure more than anything else is the excitement that he would know and receive from the fact that it saved the relationship. So uh, you guys need to get in touch with us and let us know. I'm going to put give you guys uh, Tim's stuff. And uh, again, Tim, I want to thank you for coming. And I promise we're going to have a, a couple of interviews that we, because this in information needs to be out there and it needs to be out there constantly because I know a lot of people personally that are in pain and I, I want to uh, be able to give this information so to save some of my friends' uh, relationship. Man. I, I appreciate that. You know, again, this is very important. As I said earlier, one of my motivations for doing this is the realization that there's not a lot of help out there for people no. looking to finally figure out how to make their marriages successful and I can do that. I can bring to light what needs to be understood in order for that marriage to be successful. It's a, this is, this is I'm putting my foot down. It's about time that there's a body of knowledge out there that when people learn that body of knowledge, they will have the keys and understanding how to make their relationship last for a lifetime. That It's about time. Think about all the advancements that we've made you know, globally with our cell phones and computers and all the stuff that we've done Yet nobody has been able to crack the code of, of, of a successful marriage. That's in essence what I've done. So again, I can't thank you enough for giving me an opportunity. And you're darn right. We can do this as many times as you want, Ken. Oh, we definitely will. And I'm going to tell you that this is not just for, for uh, married people at all. This is for everybody. I think single people need to hear this message because, as I mentioned to you, I believe it will prepare them for that relationship. And having this knowledge, without this information, you go into an argument. Uh, it's done. But with this knowledge, you're able to now approach that quote-unquote argument from a different point of view with different information that uh, you well, can... Well, I eliminate arguments. That's what I'm doing. I'm eliminating mm -hmm. arguments from the marriage. Yes. So um, I can't wait. Again, thank you so much, Tim. And we're definitely going to do this again. I'm going to put this package up to get a suite. I'm going to send you so you can hear what it sounds like. Also, 
send me all of your stuff. I got some of it. Anything else you want me to put it and I'll put it on my platform for my people to get their hands on your information because it's necessary. And I'm excited that we had this. Thank you so much, sir, for coming, giving me some insight that I can use for my next relationship. Everyone who's listening to this podcast, we hope to continually help you to learn how to embrace moments of darkness because it is in the darkness that we learn how to develop and use our abilities to truly see those parts of ourselves often invisible to us in the light. It becomes your responsibility to navigate through all of your trials to find out who you truly are and begin your journey to loving yourself, which is possibly one of the most difficult things you will ever do in your life. To love yourself and to find the real you, but always remember to enjoy the journey. Thank you for coming by. Please subscribe. And if you can support us financially, We deeply appreciate it. You can do this by hitting the heart button. Until next time, invite your family, friends, neighbors, anyone that you can. You can hear us on Buzzsprout, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Overcast, and many more. Everyone who's listening to this podcast, we hope to continually help you to learn how to embrace moments of darkness because it is in the darkness that we learn how to develop and use our abilities to truly see those parts of ourselves often invisible to us in the light. It becomes your responsibility to navigate through all of your trials to find out who you truly are and begin your journey to loving yourself, which is possibly one of the most difficult things you will ever do in your life. To love yourself and to find the real you, but always remember to enjoy the journey. Thank you for coming by. Please subscribe. And if you can support us financially, we deeply appreciate it. Until next time, invite your family, friends, neighbors, anyone that you can. You can hear us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Overcast, and many more.